Are you ready for Lent? I'm a kind of a weirdo. I get kind of jacked up for Lent. I love Lent because it just lets me know that I'm, I'm not there yet, but there's so much grace available for us. Lent is a season where we get to begin again. There's actually a time meant to cultivate all of the, the dead things in our lives and bring, bring them to life. So I want to start with just a basic image for us to kind of understand a better approach to enter into Lent. Because I think a lot of us, um, you know, we've heard of Lent, you get ashes. And if we had people who understood Lent, we would have three or four times as many people here right now, right? So we had a lot of people come to Ash Wednesday and they just kind of, they just kind of drift away. For some reason, like getting like dirt put on their foreheads. But um, it's, it's more than that. Like if we, if we just go to Ash Wednesday, we don't come to Mass every Sunday, start getting back on track. We're missing so much. And again, the question is, are you ready? Lent is a time where we pray and we fast and we give alms. And just want to give you a brief image here to help us enter into uh, Lent. The readings are all about temptation, but also the hope that Jesus offers us. I just want you to imagine that you're in um, Europe during World War II. We have a, a Nazi dictator named Hitler who's making people's lives a living hell. He has no other desire to, than to make you suffer, and he actually enjoys suffering. He actually wants you, you to cause as much mayhem in your lives as possible. So you're there. You can't go outside because you don't know if you get shot or you don't know what's going to happen if you, if you get arrested, whatever it is. And you're just praying and hoping that somebody comes. And then one day you open the newspaper and you, and you read and it says the allies have landed. Like, if you're in this place of despair and this place of hopelessness where it seems like nothing's going to get better and the allies land, that means they have come to go to war with an enemy. Now, if we juxtapose that image with the, with the holy family of Mary, Jesus, and Joseph, when you look at them, you see Mary, Jesus, and Joseph. We see that during the Christmas season. You know, I, I wonder if we even know that they are there to go to war too. Like when we think of Jesus and Mary, maybe you can just look at them on the, on the image here. Like they look so defenseless, but they're ex- extremely powerful. In our first reading today, we heard from the book of Genesis, right? And the serpent, first thing he does, he goes after Eve, also known as Eva, right? And he, he instills doubt. Did God really say? That's the first tactic of the devil is, is for us to doubt that God is good, that God wants us to be happy, that God will actually fulfill me. And when you flip this into the New Testament, we see now the new Eve. And we see the new Adam, Jesus, going to war with sin and death. But it's so important to keep things in context because Jesus was just baptized, right? It was declared publicly that he is the son of God and the father delights in him. And it was the same for you. When you were baptized, the father proclaimed over you, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in whom I delight. Like we have a God who delights in us. And who isn't too happy when we suffer, especially when we listen to the devil and fall into his temptations of doubt and often, the reason why a lot of us, that we fall into sin, it's, it's simply because we're so full of pride. Pride is, I got this, I don't need help. And the reason why a lot of us can't, we can't receive God is because our cups are so full. That was like totally my story growing up. It was just so often, um, pride manifested in the form of vanity. 
Vanity is I care more about the opinions or the thoughts of others than God. And it, it crippled me because I had to look a certain way, I had to talk a certain way, because otherwise people wouldn't like me. But I was also consumed. I'd, I'd project into the future out of my pride. Projecting the future, I'm sure no one here does this, right? Uh, projecting the future about what other people were thinking about me, right? And notice how, how Jesus, he wants us to remain in the present moment. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He actually empties himself. He comes into the desert with an empty cup. He's empty of all attachments. And that's what, what, what fasting does. It detaches us and he's, he's humble. So the invitation for us this week is very simple, that when we come before the Lord, we come before him humbly. You know, pride is, is just this sense that I have to have it all figured out. I have to have control. Uh, but the antidote for pride is humility. And again, humility doesn't mean that you're going to be humiliated. Humility, humility actually comes from the Latin word humus, or it means to the ground or to the earth, which means you're living in reality. It's amazing, actually, for a lot of us, if we actually take time, how little other people actually think about us, if pride manifests in your life as a form of vanity. We get so consumed with self, and there's no, no room for the Lord. So the Lord asks us to be, to be humble and live in reality. And look at what Jesus does as he's fasting. He's detached, which is why you and I should fast because we detach from things. And the devil comes after him. And the first thing the devil does is goes after his identity. If you are the son of God. And so often we see that happening in our own, our own selves. Like we have to know that our, our identity has already been purchased on the cross and has been given to us through our baptism. So any temptation from the evil one to doubt that we are the Lord's, that we are a beloved son or beloved daughter, if he's, if he's coming after you, that actually means what you're doing is on point. Jesus is on point in our gospel today. He's attached. He's humble. And the first thing the devil does is he throws at him temptations for worldly glory to, to go after, you know, food, because obviously he'd be hungry, right? Like it's often said that uh, the most obvious line in scripture is that when, after Jesus fasted, he was hungry. But Jesus, his hunger isn't for food. It's for the Father's will. It's for you and I. And then he, he's, he's offered this, this vast kingdom, all this worldly glory. But we just heard on Ash Wednesday, like you are dust and unto dust you shall return. Like all of this earthly glory, it's going to fade. So it comes down to saying, like, what are you and I going to live for? Like, what do we want our legacy to be? Not just like now, but where do you want your legacy to be like two, three, four hundred years from now? Again, all of us should want a statue to be built of us, of the saint, of being a saint. That should actually be a goal to say, I fought the good fight. I remained humble. And again, humble humility is, is I'm not, I'm not thinking less of myself, I'm thinking of myself less. I'm focusing more on how I can serve, how I can help others, how I can place myself before the Lord and just thank and praise him. Recently, I was talking with a few students and they were telling me how, how awful the temptations have been as they've been trying to get holier and holier. And I said, praise God. Praise God. I'm like, well, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. If you're making the devil mad, you're actually on the right track. But notice what, how Jesus fights the devil compared to how Eve does. 
Eve, out of pride, begins dialoguing with the dragon. That's step number one. Don't dialogue with the dragon. The second thing is her eyes, she takes her eyes off of God and she places them on something that's earthly. Jesus has his eyes on the kingdom and all of us who, are called, who belong in the kingdom, he wants us back. He wants to fight to win us back. So that means you and I have to fight the way Jesus fought. Eve totally disregards the word of God. Jesus takes the word of God and he shoves it down the devil's throat. That's why it's so important for us to humble ourselves and get to know scripture. So when, you're, when we're tempted, we should know certain scriptures to speak out loud, to, to shout at the devil and tell him go to, he- go to hell where he belongs. So often we fight the devil on our own terms with our own merits and it doesn't work. We have the God of the universe who's more powerful than you and I could ever imagine, but it takes a humble heart to do that. Catechism says that humility is the foundation of prayer. To say, I need help. So my challenge this week, because I think so often we, we enter into to, to Lent so, so pridefully. Um, we just take on too much. My challenge for Lent is this, this week is to pray the litany of humility every day. If you want to pray it, pray it more than once, do it. This is the one that when I was in seminary, Bishop said, I want you to pray this every day as a seminarian. He asked all the priests to do it. And I've been awful at that. So I've tried to make it a goal every day to pray litany humility. But I want us to pray this this week. And I, I want us just as a community to focus on one thing together each week. You know, so often we try to do all these things, all these good and pious things. But the problem is we just take on too much. So as we close, I just want us to pray the litany of humility. And whatever kind of stands out to you, it's on your sheets, whatever stands out to you, that's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to go forward. When we pray, deliver me, when we pray the words, deliver me, Jesus, those words are saying, take me out of the hand of the evil one and place me in your hands, God. Some of these, some of these petitions are really difficult, but this is probably as, as far as litanies in the church. And again, litany, just to let you know, that word means the word list. Some of these are, are, are the hardest ones to say, but I think they're the most fruitful. And at the end, um, my, my next challenge is, if you want to take this one up, this was the hardest challenge I ever got for you to do the litany humility. This week, I want, I want you to work on saying the words, me, I, my, myself, as less as possible, or as least as possible, I could speak, right? The invitation is to do that, is, is, is to realize how often we have this kind of, our ego, our pride rise up, and I have to insert myself in the conversation. Notice how Jesus doesn't talk about himself when he's fighting the devil. He places the word of God before him humbly, and then he shoves it down the devil's throat. And often when we realize how prideful we are, what happens is our cup's empty. The temptations go away because the, the, the devil realizes this one is meant to be filled with the Lord. But again, when the temptations come, in an odd way, we should praise and, thanks God, and thank God because it means we're on the right track. So the, the petitions, after I say it, from the desire of being esteemed, your answer is, deliver me, Jesus. 
We're just gonna go through this nice and slowly. Another thing of being humble is just slowing down and being patient. To not rush, to notice how Eve just started dialing the dragon. She started rushing. And the Lord is slow and he's patient because he's not here to rush us. He's here to save us and to fight for us. So we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed. From the desire of being loved. From the desire of being extolled. From the desire of being honored. From the desire of being praised. From the desire of being preferred to others. From the desire of being consulted. From the desire of being approved. From the fear of being humiliated. From the fear of being despised. From the fear of suffering rebukes. From the fear of being calumniated. From the fear of being forgotten. From the fear of being ridiculed. From the fear of being wronged. From the fear of being suspected. The answer to the following petitions is Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I go unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.